Hello, fellow MSers, mother MSers, father MSers, the too young for this shit MSers, the ones who put up with us MSers. Hello and welcome to episode 195 of Under the Cowl of MS. This is a, is this is an all ep, all multiple sclerosis episode. <laughs> Just so you know. Um I'll put some more names for some different episodes adding more and more things just getting myself totally confused and flustered but <laughs> we'll try and get a good variety of things out there i want to clean up all my loose paperwork of all the ms stuff i have left to go through that i've had laying around from hospitals doctors all that stuff i'm going to try and get through some of that today so I can get prepared to start fresh come episode 200 with some more stuff that I have piled up <laughs> elsewhere <laughs> that I want to get to. Uh, it's amazing that we're hitting 200 episodes and I barely got into the things that I have put aside to for the podcast. So hopefully I'll get caught up on some of those things and we'll get things cleaned up in the future and get it a little more organized and keep adding on new shows to fill in whatever we need to. <laughs> Not like we need to podcast five to seven days a week, but yeah, I just enjoy getting this stuff out there. All else fails, I have a bunch of stuff in my own records. So I can look over some stuff someday if I need to. But basically, start out with the basics. Explaining what multiple sclerosis is again. Multiple sclerosis, MS, is an autoimmune disease. Autoimmune diseases can cause the immune system to mistake the body's own tissue for foreign invaders and attack them. In MS, the immune system attacks and harms the myelin sheath that surrounds and protects the nerve fibers called axons of the brain and spinal cord. This process is called demyelination. Myelin is a protective fatty coating that allows the smooth, high-speed passing of electrical signals along nerve fibers. MS causes myelin to become inflamed and swollen. Eventually, the myelin may completely detach from the nerve fibers. The nerve fibers themselves may be damaged. The words multiple sclerosis mean many scars referring to these random patches of hardened scar tissue, mainly along the myelin. The scars, also called lesions, are plaques of MS that slow or prevent the passing of electrical instructions to certain parts of the body. This can damage vision, speech, mobility, and or coordination. Basically, a few types of MS is relapsing remitting MS. This is the most common type of the disease. Most people are diagnosed with this from the start, and then they progress throughout the years. But uh, relapsing remitting MS is marked by clearly defined acute attacks of worsening nerve function, relapses, Relapses are also called attacks, flares, or exasperations. There may may be full recovery, which is called remission, after a relapse or a partial recovery. 
periods between disease relapses are marked by a lack of disease worsening. And then we have primary progressive MS. This type is marked by steadily worsening nerve function from the beginning, although the rate of worsening may vary over time with occasional periods of little change and temporary minor improvements. There are no distinct relapses or remissions in this uh, phase of MS. And secondary progressive MS, this type begins as relapsing remitting MS. And at some point, usually after several years, the disease course changes and steadily worsens. There may be occasional relapses and minor remissions and periods of little change, but usually secondary progressive disease is marked by less recovery following attacks and or fewer attacks or none at all with steady worsening of disability. Many patients with relapsing remitting MS ultimately develop secondary progressive MS. I personally feel I'm in the secondary progressive stages, but Getting ready to see my new neurologist here pretty soon and maybe actually get some different answers from her, but I highly doubt it because I have not found anything on her background associated with multiple sclerosis. So I still might have to try another doctor outside of her, but at least get her as my close-by neurologist. But uh, who gets multiple sclerosis? It's least common in, common in countries near the equator. Uh, MS is five times more likely to occur among people who live in temperate temperate climates than among those who live in tropical regions. I mean, a lot of this is old news and has been totally changed over the years. Studies have shown that the risk of developing MS may be related to where a person lives before the age of 15. If people younger than 15 move from a high-risk region to a low-risk region or vice versa, they take on the risk of the new location. If the move occurs after the age of 15, they keep the risk of the original location. Researchers are not sure why this is true. Racial ancestry is significant in who gets MS. Many people with MS are Caucasians, descended from Northern Europe ancestors, particularly the Scandinavians. Whites are twice as likely to get MS as blacks, but American blacks are more likely to get it than African or Caribbean blacks. Asians have a very low occurrence of MS. This is all this is not true. Uh, now we're finding it more prevalent in the black communities. I'm guessing skin color itself can affect vitamin D intake. That's why you're not seeing it in African and Caribbean areas because those people probably get way more sunlight than we do in these in the northern hemispheres. But uh, the exact cause or causes of MS is not known. It probably results from, a, from an abnormal autoimmune reaction 
in people who are genetically more likely to get the disease. Uh, and there's no real genetic causes or anything like that or stuff like that that they've ever found out distinctly what causes MS yet. The symptoms of MS are caused by damage to myelin, the fatty covering that protects nerves in the brain and spinal cord. The type and severity of a person's symptoms depend on where the damage occurs and on its severity. Symptoms of MS vary greatly from person to person. Symptoms can be mild or severe. They may appear briefly and then lessen, or they may last for a long time. People also experience different combinations of symptoms. Most people experience more than one symptom, but not one has all the possible symptoms. An individual's symptoms can also vary from time to time. And the most common, common symptoms include fatigue, vision problems, problems with sensation and weakness, uh, MS fatigue, is a major disabling symptom. The fatigue of MS can be overwhelming, both physically and mentally. Fatigue can make it difficult to concentrate. It slows the thinking process and makes one forgetful. It can even affect motivation. Other chronic symptoms of MS are made worse by fatigue. It can contribute to muscle pain and spasms. Because fatigue is invisible to everyone but the patient, it can be difficult for others to understand. MS fatigue generally increases with both physical exertion and exposure to heat and humidity. For many patients, fatigue is worse later in the day. I know I everything with mine, MS, I start out my day. Roughly the same each day as far as pain, spasm, and spasticity-wise, and then it basically progresses throughout the day, and usually my bad spots hits me between 3 and 5 in the afternoon. It starts to really take effect. But, uh, vision problems in MS, the optic nerve, which connects the eye with the brain, can become inflamed and demyelinated. This condition is known as optic neuritis. It results in dimmed grade or blurred vision. It can even lead to loss of vision in one eye. More than half of all patients experienced optic neuritis at some point. Sensitivity to light, holes in the visual field, and distortion to color vision can occur. Other vision problems may be caused by nystagmus or uncontrolled horizontal or vertical eye movements. All of these problems are usually temporary. Normal vision usually returns within a few weeks. Visual problems are less common in the later stages of MS, which might explain why I don't have them as much now as I used to, probably three, four, or five years ago. I haven't had too many eye issues in a long time. That's one last thing, at least. I have normal sensations. 
MS frequently causes people to experience abnormal sensations or paresthesias. Sensations may include numbness in an arm or a leg, tingling, itching, burning, pins and needle, needles, or an increase in sensitivity, stabbing pains I've, I get. Um, these sensations occur spontaneously and often involve only a patch of skin in a specific area, such as hand, arm, or leg. A sensation known as the Hermes sign is an electric shock-like sensation that occurs when the neck is flexed forward. The sensation travels down the spine and into the arms or legs. The Hermes sign is a disturbing sensation, but it is not serious. While paresthesias are bothersome, most people don't consider them to be major problems, although little can be done to help numbness. If a patient is especially uh, <laughs> if a patient is especially annoyed by other sensations, medicines can sometimes lessen the symptoms. I'm just so used to them, I just ride them out. And like I said, in the past with my Lermanese, it's like a orgasm going on it's just goes from your neck to your toes and different days it's a different amount some days it can be pretty intense some days just a small vibration just weakness is a true loss of strength and control in the legs and sometimes in the arms the legs may feel heavy and hard to move weakness can contribute to problems with walking Weak foot and ankle muscles can cause foot drop, a condition where the toes drop before the heel when walking. Nice way to trip you up. Weak hip muscles can cause hyperextension, requiring a leg to swing out so the foot can clear the ground when walking. Most patients will, at some point in the course of their disease, experience weakness in their extremities and have some difficulty with balance walking or coordination as a result like my walking's getting more of a rounded walk with my right leg like it'll start off being able to bend well actually it starts off by standing up not being able to straighten the legs you gotta fight to get them to straighten, and then once you start walking, all of a sudden you just slowly start to drop on the one side, and then that leg, the right leg, I just notice and see that it's kind of working its way outward and not walking the way I want it to walk. But yeah, it's really annoying when your brain's trying to tell your limbs to do something they do something absolutely different all right bladder problems most patients with ms experience some type of bladder difficulty during the course of their disease bladder problems are caused by demyelination in the parts of the central nervous system that control bladder function type of problem problem a person has depends on the exact Location of the demyelination. 
MS-related bladder dysfunction is sometimes called neurogenic bladder. Uh, I got all kinds of weird bladder issues. It's like last night I had to get up and piss three times within a couple hours. The night before, I was able to sleep until the morning without having to deal with it. Some days you all of a sudden have to go and you got like seconds to get there. Other days you can stand there forever and just nothing's coming out. <laughs> it's like, uh, what the fuck? Make up your mind. And so, yeah, it's just so freaking irritating. But yeah, I'd like to have some control of my problems instead of just having a bunch of random issues constantly. That's probably the biggest pain in the ass of it all. But bowel problems. MS causes demyelination of the areas of the brain and spinal cord that control bowel function. This can result in several types of problems, such as diarrhea, constipation, incontinence, and hemorrhoids. Hey, maybe that's how I got those hemorrhoids. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about my hemorrhoids. I'm nasty. But when they scoped my butt, they found four of them in there. So. <laughs> uh, I was just at my uh, my colon on my colonoscopy doctor. What do you call it? Gastrointestinologist or something like that. But yeah, she showed me the video footage of my scan this time when I was in there. Pretty clean butthole. <laughs> hey, my, my insides look pretty damn good <laughs> doesn't even look like anything goes through those those intestines but yeah I'm gonna get the I always get copies of all my MRIs, CT scans CAT scans, things all my any scans I have done, x-rays everything, I get copies of some I'm looking forward to getting copies of my colonoscopy and my last CAT scan Last CAT scan pretty much scan. I'd say probably two thirds of my body. So I'm really looking forward to checking out some areas that I have other issues in, see what I see in there. And then uh things with like my colonoscopy, it's just even my knee surgery, when I have my knee surgery, I have the I have a VHS tape of them cutting my knee, ripping it open, getting in there, digging away, pulling out chunks of bone and stuff. And it's just, it's pretty trippy watching them do all that stuff. So, but yeah, who knows? Maybe once I get my colonoscopy thing, if I can figure out how to get it downloaded on a computer, maybe I'll start showing some scans of my MRIs and my colonoscopy and CT scans on, combine them with the podcast somehow in the future after episode 200 so we'll see what ha what happens down the road with that but yeah let's keep track of all your things keep copies of your things i cannot figure out how to figure out who i used to go see for doctors and stuff and all those old scans and stuff from back in the day when i was constantly searching for answers are all gone in the system somewhere and I really wish I would have been smart enough to keep copies on. So if you get, go in and get anything done, get yourself copies of it. Uh, most places it's free. They'll give you a disc and take care of it. Some places I've had to pay like 10 bucks or whatever, just like the computer discs that they got to use and stuff. So 
take that into consideration. It helps in the long run. You can always look at your things. And it's like with my MRI scans, I've asked neurolog every one of my neurologists, I've asked, where are my lesions in my spine and my brain? And where exactly are they located? Part of the brain. I want to know what part of the brain is being affected by what. And not a single one of them ever gave me any frick. Only one I only lesion I've been told about over and over is the one that's right on the bend of my spine, and because that one keeps growing, and with some other ones that grow, but that's the only one they talk about. But how is multiple sclerosis diagnosed? Well, diagnosis is based upon the patient's medical history signs and symptoms, and any tests the doctor decides are needed. And it depends on the doctor. So many doctors have their own ways of doing things. And our opinions don't mean shit, which makes no sense, because we're the ones that are being taken care of. But what do we know? MS symptoms can resemble those caused by stroke, infection, or even migraine headaches. Or a def definite diagnosis of MS can be made. Other conditions must be ruled out. The diagnostic process begins with a me medical history and an examination of how well the patient's nerves are working. In addition to the type and severity of symptoms, the doctor will look for a pattern suggesting acute attacks or slow worsening. Purpose of the examination is to detect anything unusual in the nerve, central nervous system. The neurologist will assess each area of basic nerve function, cranial nerve function, motor skills, sensory capacity, mental status, coordination, and reflexes. They'll give you the basic reflex test. They'll usually have you walk. The walking test never made sense to me because every neurologist I've dealt with so far has me walk about 10 feet. What the hell are you seeing? You want to see me how I walk with stairs? You want to see me walking on inclines? They should have a walking environment for you in a physical therapy area where they can actually observe things other than walking on a flat surface for about 10 feet and turning. That makes no sense. But they should have a better gait uh, test for us. Uh, mental status, I don't know, they never really did anything. They asked me a couple of questions, basically focusing on depression and stuff. Uh, don't really get into things that they should get into beyond depression and stress and things like that are highly effective against us and can cause extra issues. The doctors will observe the patient's balance, eye movements, gait, posture, speech, and coordination. The doctor will also ask questions to assess memory, judgment, and clarity of thought. I don't remember getting asked half these things, but that was with multiple neurologists. Diagnostic tests are often used to finalize a diagnosis, blood test, and test on a sample of the fluid that Surround the spinal cord, help the doctor rule out conditions such as infection, magnetic resonate, 
resonance imaging, the MRI is a painless, non-invasive test that measures the number, location, and size of lesions, scar tissue, also known as plaques, that may be in the brain, when gandolinium, a chemical compound used, MRI can distinguish between new active lesions and older active, le active ones, in older inactive ones, I should say. And that's basically when you're told that you're going to get an MRI with and without contrast. That's what that gandolinium is. A definite diagnosis of MS based on MRI usually requires findings of new lesions in the brain or spinal cord after an initial MRI. In some cases, a definite diagnosis can be made the first time symptoms appear. Also, there must be documented lesions in more than one site in the brain or spinal cord. The visual evoked potential, the VEP, test measures the speed of electrical signals carried by the nerves. Because the speed is much slower through damaged nerve fibers, these tests are helpful in diagnosing MS. He uses a black-white checkerboard pattern that is reversed very quickly. The pattern patient watches the changing pattern with one eye at a time. Approximately 70% of patients with MS show delayed electric responses with this test. I didn't have a VEP test ever that I know of. In a spinal tap, the needle is inserted into the lower back and a small amount of fluid is taken out of the spine. This fluid is tested for proteins and white blood cells, among other things. Testing of fluid from the spine can help rule out other conditions besides MS. Normal test results are possible even when a person actually has MS. For this reason, it is important to find a neurologist who is experienced with MS to help make the di diagnosis, which is pretty freaking hard sometimes. I've put in MS neurologist in Wisconsin, and I get very few results. And it's just a lot of them don't even have anything MS-related when you get deep into them. So it's like, why are they even putting these people in this classification is beyond me. But... As far as the treatments for MS, for multiple sclerosis, a cure for MS has not been found yet. But there's a variety of treatments out there that you can try out. And there's a lot more nowadays. I think we're up to like 20-some. Uh, you got your disease-modifying therapies, which are medicines aimed at slowing the course of the disease over time. and they're the first line in disease-modifying therapies, like the interferon beta 1A, which is Avonex, Rebif, Pleguridy. There's interferon beta 1B, which is beta-seron and Extavia. Vladimir acetate, which is Copaxone and Glitopia. Natalizumab, which is Tisabri. Fingolimod, which is Jelenia. Dimethyl fumarate, which is Tecfidera, and Teraflunamide, which is Abagio. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of DMTs not on this list. Uh, two other DMTs, Alimtuzumab, 
which is Lemtrada, and Midozantron, which is Novatron, Nomentron, are considered second line and usually used only after other therapies have failed. Uh, there's just there's so many ones to look into, test them out, play around with them, see what the side effects are, see what the main effects are and see how they work with you. Uh, most of them are, there's a lot of oral ones like Jelena, Baggio, Tecfidera. Uh, there's fusion style. There's injection, daily injections like Copaxone and stuff like that. Uh, Look into the ones that sound best to you and see what you can find to help you with your other side effects and your other issues. And a good, healthier, cleaner diet helps. Anti-inflammatory type diet. Focus on things like that. They're going to help you with less inflammation in your body. And... We will get back to you with more MS stuff in the near future pretty quick. And we're running out of time with this segment. So we'll end it right here and get back to you in a bit. Okay, let's get back to some more MS. What can you expect over time with MS? Multiple sclerosis is an unpredictable disease. Symptoms can vary in how long they last and how severe they are. Symptoms appear in different combinations in different people. These variables make it difficult to predict how MS will change over time for any given person. While it it is impossible to determine the exact path an individual's disease will take, it may be possible to predict, in general, its long-term direction. Long-term course of MS depends largely, largely upon which type of MS a person has. The different types follow different patterns. The status of MS by the five-year point often indicates how the disease is likely to continue. Younger age at onset generally favors a better disease course. Older age at onset over 35 to 40, especially for men, often points to a more progressive path. What if you're not diagnosed till you're in your 40s because a bunch of dumbasses don't pay attention to you at a younger age? Then you sh- your shit progresses faster also. A healthy lifestyle is especially important for people with MS. Lack of sleep can worsen the symptom of MS. symptoms of MS. Some people find that short naps or rest periods during the day are helpful. I cannot nap. Just lay there, wishing I could fall asleep. Can be as tired as hell. It doesn't matter. Just cannot fall asleep during the day. And if I do, then I feel out of it the rest of the day. But some people can do those little naps. Not me. Stress may make MS symptoms worse. Stress reduction techniques, such as having a massage, listening to soothing music, or just relaxing, or maybe meditating. Uh, are important keys to living successfully with MS. 
good nutrition, boosts energy, and has positive effect on overall health. Regular exercise can delay physical and mental disability. It increases energy and can help people continue working and stay independent. Patients should discuss an exercise program with their doctor as a part of their overall treatment plan. However, they should take care not to get too hot during exercise. And there is no evidence that the diets that the diets promoted as a treatment for MS are effective. So don't believe anything out there. Test things out yourself. See how your body reacts to everything. Developing a good support system provides emotional support and tangible help when it is needed. People with MS can discover that life is more than managing symptoms and having medical appointments. Positive outlook on life can have a positive effect on their physical health. Patients who are open to many possibilities that still exist in life despite MS find that coping with their disease is easier. Because you don't want to get in that deep, dark depression slump because it's hard to get out of it if you can get out of it at all. So try and stay positive, and even no matter how painful it is or how shitty you feel, try to stay positive. <laughs> Fatigue and multiple sclerosis is a common symptom. For many patients, fatigue is the most disabling symptom of their disease. The exact cause of MS fatigue, sometimes called lassitude, is unknown. No medications have FDA approval for its treatment. MS fatigue can worsen over long-term symptoms. The extreme fatigue that characterizes MS is different from normal fatigue in that it occurs daily. It gets worse late in the day. It shows up suddenly and often gets worse with heat, physical exertion, or emotional stress. Fatigue can occur as a main symptom caused by the disease itself, or it can occur as a secondary system brought on by other factors, including depression, not sleeping well, side effect of medicines, substance use, as in alcohol, poor nutrition, anemia, having to use more energy to complete everyday tasks because of MS and unknown infections. Fatigue experienced by patients with MS is more severe than fatigue experienced by other people. This is because it is a neurological fatigue associated with the MS disease process. MS produces inefficient sending of nerve impulses that creates both physical and mental fatigue. Both kinds of fatigue can seriously disrupt daily activities. Physical fatigue may be present even after a good night's sleep. If other problems such as muscle spasms are interfering with sleep at night, fatigue may be an even greater problem during the day. Some people experience fatigue mainly in the legs. For others, physical fatigue is a lasting and overwhelming tiredness. 
fatigue takes a toll on mental abilities too. The damage to myelin slows the speed and quality of thinking. Forgetfulness, difficulty in concentration, and slow thinking are evidence of mental fatigue. One study with both MS patients and healthy people showed this. Both groups were given tests that measured their memory, ability to plan, attention span, and ability to communicate with words. The tests were given to both groups several times. The healthy people's performance improved, but the MS patients' performance got worse. The patients with MS felt more mentally fatigued and depressed than the others in the study. The fatigue of MS has no direct correlation with a person's degree of physical impairment, and it does not occur because of depression. However, if a person with MS is also depressed, the depression can make the fatigue worse. Similarly, fatigue can result from conditions like anemia and thyroid disease. It can be a side effect of medications, or it can be related to poor sleep patterns. For these reasons, when fatigue becomes a problem, patients should talk with their physicians to evaluate the cause of the fatigue and develop a treatment plan, which I've been trying to get help with so much different things with fatigue and body issues, body pain issues and stuff. I had thyroid tests done recently thinking, hey, maybe being in my 40s, hear all kinds of regular people with thyroid issues and stuff once they hit their 40s. Oh, mine's fine. <laughs> That's not affecting it. And don't have anemia issues. I get tons of tests taken care of, so all mine is just basically MS related. Uh, improving fatigue. There are many causes of fatigue. The doctor should try to understand the cause of the fatigue in each individual. Based on what is causing the fatigue, a plan can be developed. Sometimes that plan includes things like learning better sleep habits doing more exercise, or treating depression. The plan must be tailored to the specific needs of the person. Uh, things like CPAP. Still haven't seen no re results of that doing any, any effects to me. I am now able to sleep for six to eight hours with it on without ripping it off and throwing it across the room. <laughs> But yeah, it's still not doing uh, nothing for my bodily feelings and issues. Medications, there's no drug approved specifically for treatment of fatigue. Uh, most commonly prescribed one back in the day was amantadine, which I also tried, which is also known as Symmetrol. Uh, it didn't do nothing for me. There is no way to completely relieve fatigue, but many people have been helped by antidepressant medications, and which one side effect of those drugs can be insomnia, so it is necessary to take these drugs early in the day to avoid interfering with sleep. Supplements, there are some evidence that a dietary supplement called ginkgo biloba might reduce fatigue. Uh, didn't do nothing for me, <laughs> no matter what amount I took. Stay physically cool, because uh, heat's just going to drag you down, make you more fatigued. Stay emotionally cool. Uh, stress is going to increase your fatigue, so keep an eye on that. I uh, 
well, today I did a, I mentioned in the past, patients getting paid is a program to look into if you want to earn a little extra money by doing surveys. Um, I get multiple sclerosis surveys sent to me, a few a week at least. I usually don't qualify for 90% of them because one, I'm white, two, I'm later age. They usually like people like mid-20s or younger uh, and different ethnicities. Uh, another downfall I have is many of them ask you if anybody in the household works for a medical company or pharmacy or anything like that. And my wife's a pharmacist helper, so that disqualifies me from a good chunk of the surveys, but today I actually qualified for a survey, which was, a, I believe, $75 I got for doing a 30-minute survey, which was nice, uh, but it was a big surprise because I was expecting it to be another certain medical company sur survey, but this actually was a survey, finally, for what I talked about that was supposed to come out by the end of the year last year throughout the whole United States, but I have not seen anything else about it. But uh, THC CBD spray that is designed for spasticity and multiple sclerosis. Uh, so it looks like that spray is going to be coming out here very soon, hopefully. I'm hoping to hear more from the survey people I put in for finding out more about the products and said I would definitely be willing to tr get on it if I could get it through my medical provider. So hopefully I will hear something more about that in the near future and I will let you know. But that was an enjoyment getting to see that that's what that survey was about. It started out talking about it. A bunch of other medications for multiple sclerosis and stuff and then we finally got into that detailed discussion so that was nice but check out patients getting paid if you'd like to do some if you have multiple sclerosis one like to get into multiple sclerosis surveys and earn a little extra cash it's nice i've had anywhere from ten dollar checks to 150 dollar checks just nice getting paid for your opinion i want to actually listen to you for once so unlike our doctors which were many questions in there whether or not doctors listens listen to my suggestions for medications i wanted to try and whether or not they just put me on what they decided or if they listen to what i had to say and actually put me on what i asked for of course none of them have ever done that all right let's End this up with talking about some progressive relaxation techniques. Uh, there's a strong connection between tinnitus disturbance and stress level. Tinnitus increases stress and stress increases tinnitus. Therefore, anything you can do to lower your stress level and induce relaxation can help with your tinnitus. Uh, I call bullshit on this also. Progressive muscle relaxation is an effective technique. And it's helpful in redirecting attention away from tinnitus. These exercises will help you to relax, teaching you to calm your body. When you feel anxious, 
The training works by you tensing and then relaxing groups of muscles. There are two reasons for relaxing in this way. Firstly, you are suffering from anxiety. Tension becomes such a habit that you no longer notice it. These exercises make you aware of the differences between tension and relaxation. Secondly, tension and muscle, tensing a muscle, we also fatigue it by tensing it. And so make so it makes it easier to relax. You will feel two physical sensations when doing these exercises, heaviness and warmth. These will show you that you are relaxing properly. So learning it, these exercises involves three stages. Stage one, try to do all the exercises daily for seven days. By the end of the week, you should be very relaxed and after each training session. Stage two, pick out the exercises that seem best for you and make up your own tailor-made program. The only exercise you should not leave out is the deep breathing. Continue to do this personalized training program daily. Stage three, when you have reached stage two, begin trying to apply relaxation first during the day. Do this by deep breathing, tensing your arms briefly, or just mentally relaxing and allowing your body to follow. You can relax like this in almost any situation, at work, in conversation, while waiting in line, or even while walking. Relaxation is a physical skill, just like learning to swim or kite. In order to stay good at it, you must practice stages two and three regularly. Once you have learned this technique, you will be able to control anxiety in stressful situations by applying relaxation in bursts. Relaxation, relaxing fast, will become easy. Preparing for relaxation exercises. Choose a quiet time and place to practice. About 10 to 15 minutes. Begin by lying on your back or sitting comfortably in an armchair. Do not cross your arms or legs. Breathe slowly and deeply and close your eyes. Watch out for two common mistakes when you practice. Make sure, firstly, you do not tense up too hard. You should never cause pain or stiffening through these exercises. If one particular exercise hurts you, skip it. Secondly, try not to release tension slowly. Relax suddenly so that you notice the contrast between tension and relaxation. Relaxing hands and arms. Try to keep the rest of your body relaxed and then clench your right fist. Notice the tension in your fingers, your thumb, the palm of your hand, your knuckles, and the back of your hand. Keep your fist clenched and notice the tension in your wrist and the lower part of your arm. Notice how, notice how clenching your fist makes your arm tense as well. Now, still concentrating, let your hands suddenly relax. Let your fingers hang and notice how they feel warm when you relax. 
Notice how your arm feels heavy. These feelings of heaviness and warmth are an important sign that you are succeeding in relaxing. Breathe slowly and concentrate on your right hand for a few seconds. Next, switch your attention to your left hand. Go through the same procedure as you did with your right hand. Clench your fist, concentrating to pinpoint all the different muscles which tense as you do this. Relax your left hand suddenly and again try to notice feelings of heaviness and warmth. Let your breathing become slow and regular after each tension exercise. Both arms should feel heavy. Now tense your right arm by bending it up so that your knuckles touch your shoulder, clenching your fist at the same time. Hold it like this for 30 seconds to a minute, then let it drop. Eat this exercise for once. Exercise once for the left arm. Lastly, hold your right arm straight in front of you and tense it up. Try to feel as if you are pushing your hand off the end of your arm. Then draw your hand back and let your arm drop. Repeat this for your left arm. Remember, when doing exercises, Try to keep the rest of your body relaxed. You should only need to tense each group of muscles once or twice. Relaxing your shoulders, neck, and face. Now concentrate on the area around your shoulders and upper parts of your arms, chest, and back. Tense the muscles here by hunching up your shoulders. Hold them in that uncomfortable position and notice the muscle tension across the top of your shoulders, in your neck, in the top part of your chest and back, and in your arms. Notice how your breathing is affected by tensing these muscles, and quite suddenly let these muscles relax. Let your arms become soft and heavy again, and let your shoulders slump as low as possible. Allow your breathing to become slow and regular again, and feel much more comfortable. Your arms should still be heavy and allow your shoulders to sag as low as possible. Concentrate next on your neck muscles. Tense them by pushing your head back against the chair or pillow. Be careful not to tense too hard. Push your head back only slightly. Notice the tension in the back of your neck, the back of your head and across your shoulders. Notice the tension in front of your neck and around your jaw and the lower part of your face. Now bring your head forward and suddenly let your muscles relax. Allow your head to drop forward, feeling floppy and heavy. Your breathing should become slower and more regular. The next group of muscles are those in your face. Begin by frowning and increasing, increasing your forehead. Now, add to the tension by closing your eyes as tight as you can. Notice the feeling of tension you are producing, and then relax. Make your face tense again by 
pursing your lips and pressing your tongue against the roof of your mouth. Feel the tension in your cheeks, then suddenly rela relax your face muscles. Notice the skin becoming soft as your forehead and cheeks return to normal and your jaw saves. Let your mouth be slightly open. Your breathing once again should return to normal. Now your arms and head should feel heavy. Your shoulders are slumped and your face feels soft. Breathe slowly. Relaxing your back and stomach muscles. Concentrate on the muscles in your back and produce tension by arching your back slightly. Hold the tension and try to notice where the muscles in your back are working. Suddenly let your back become soft and relaxed. Enjoy the contrast. Your breathing should slow. Next, tense your stomach muscles by pulling your stomach in so that you look as thin as possible. Hold it and concentrate on the tension. Gently let your stomach return to normal and notice how comfortable you feel when the muscles across your stomach are soft and relaxed. Breathe slowly and regularly. The breathing exercise. This is the most important exercise of all. Try to completely relax and let yourself go. All over. And concentrate on your breathing. Make sure that it is easy and regular. Inhale through your nose and exhale through your mouth. Take four deep breaths. Filling your lungs as much as possible and then breathing out slowly and easily. Notice how relaxed you feel. Relaxing your feet and legs. Concentrate on your right foot and right leg. Straighten your leg if you are sitting in a chair. Keep your heel on the floor. Now point your toes down away from you. Curl your toes under. Feel the tension in your toes, the sole of your foot, the upper part of the foot, and ankle. Notice the tension in the lower part of the leg in the calf muscles, and behind your knees. Feel it in the front of your knee and in the thigh muscles, right up to the tops of the leg. Suddenly, let your foot and leg relax. Your foot should feel soft and floppy, and your leg heavy and lazy. Finishing a relaxation session. Your breathing should now be very slow and gentle. Your arms, legs, and head are heavy. Your face, neck, shoulders, and stomach are soft. Enjoy the changes you have produced. Not think calm each time you breathe out. Repeat this 10 to 20 times, saying calm each time you exit. Finish the session gradually. Let your muscles get ready to move again as you think. 
three, two, one, awake. Relaxation is a skill which all of us are capable of. By following this training, you will become calmer, more confident, and better able to handle daily problems and stress. And I think you could combine it with a meditation segment if you wanted or whatever. But yeah, there. It's an hour-long episode of multiple sclerosis stuff today, but we got through a bunch more paperwork I had laying around, and now I can clean up my desk a little more and <laughs> get prepared for episode 200 and beyond. Yeah, hopefully we'll bring up some new, unique, and enjoyable segments, or that'll have a little something for everybody. A little something, something. Good to yourself. Good to everybody else. Get shot in a monster. Take care. Put a smile on your face. Do your relaxation techniques. Get your body loosened up. I still don't know how that's going to work to help with tinnitus. And I've got tinnitus 24-7 for many, 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 many years. Uh, but many things I have done, nothing's really worked to get rid of it. It's always there, even at its lightest point. But, yeah, do what you can to make yourself better. Anything you can do to help with ease any of the symptoms of MS is a plus. Take care, and we will get back to you again someday soon.